We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit a little bit this morning as we begin a new series called The Beatitudes. Before we do that, I just want to say thank you, Jesus. Hoodie weather has arrived. Come on, can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? Don't you dare boo that. Shame, shame. Man, I, I, have, a, I have a friend, actually, we were in a small group together, and he, when he, his family first started attending our church, they came during cold weather, and when, when we hung out one time, he was like, I started thinking, like, this dude doesn't wear anything but hoodies. And um, it's not true. If you were here during warm weather, you know, not true. But it's here, the cold weather. In fact, my wife, she, this morning, she's like, do you know what you're going to wear? I'm like, not yet. She's like, are you going to wear a hoodie? And I was like, no. Originally, I didn't plan to. And then I remembered I got a new one this summer. <laughs> and this is my chance because I was there, so I got to represent. Um, so, listen. I know, I know there's a lot of places where people try to, you come to church and everybody's trying to put lipstick on a pig, you know what I'm talking about? And they think you got to look a certain way and talk a certain way and act a certain way. You should just know if you come to true life, what you see is what you get. Come on, can I hear an amen this morning? This is it. This is it. And I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to impress anybody. I'm trying to impress Jesus and I don't think he cares what I wear. So um, it should be clean though. I did iron it. My friend Josh, we were, we were at a, a, a one-day art conference one time, and, and um, we were doing some training with some pastors, and so I'm in the hotel lobby waiting for Josh before we go to speak to these leaders, and he said, he texts me, he said, I'll be right down. So I'm having my coffee. He said, I'm being right down. I got to iron my hoodie. And I was like, who irons a hoodie? That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. And then I found myself doing it. So now I text him all the time. I'm like, bro, you messed me up forever. I'm ironing a hoodie right now. And um, he thinks that's funny. So, hey, new series today. We're talking about the Beatitudes. We'll jump into that in just a second. I uh, wanted to do this series for a couple of years now, and we finally uh, were able to figure out how to uh, make it fit. Um, there's nine of them, nine Beatitudes in Matthew chapter five. Uh, so we're going to use some first Wednesdays to make sure we cover all of them. We're not, it's not a nine-week series. Um, so you might want to make sure you hop into first Wednesday for October, November, and, um, and make sure you don't miss them. We'll have to combine a couple as well. So um, I'm, I'm excited. This is going to be really, really good for us as a church to, to walk through this, this section of Matthew chapter 5 together. Uh, before I get into that, I do want to remind you that tonight is life track step one. And that's at 5 p.m., all right? So let me just give you a, like the 10-second version of this. It'll probably be more like 30 seconds. But uh, step one is for those of you who've been attending True Life and you just haven't taken the next step yet to figure out like what does it really mean to belong here and make this my spiritual family. It's, it's, a, it's membership. We don't do a 12-week course on membership. We do like one hour, all right? And Amanda and I hang out. Uh, our staff is there. It's in the Life Track room up in the front end of our church there. And um, we have snacks and hors d'oeuvres and drinks and coffee. And uh, I just kind of teach through the heartbeat of our church and the vision. And then we have a chance for you to ask questions and why do we do things the way we do? And um, where did you buy that hoodie? And all, all those kinds of things. We, so we, we just spent some time uh, hanging out with you. And, I, and if you've not been a part of that yet, honestly, from the bottom of my heart, Amanda and I would love to meet you. We would love to hang out with you. We'd love to help you figure out. What we try to do in this one hour is give you enough information to decide, should this be my church home? And um, 
Hopefully you'll say yes, it's okay if you say no, uh, but, but that's what we try to do at step one. And then also coming up on October 23rd is Water Baptism Sunday in both services, 8, 30, and 10. Uh, it, it will help us if you sign up ahead of time if you're gonna get baptized, and here's how you should know, here's how you know if you should participate in that. If you've made Jesus the Lord of your life and you're serving Jesus, but you've never gone public and said in front of your, your church family and your family and your friends and everybody, Hey, God's done this work inside of me. The old me is dead. That's what it signifies when you go underwater. There's a new me that has come alive in Christ, and I'm not hiding it. I'm not ashamed of it. I don't care who knows. My life belongs to Jesus. Amen, everybody? All right, and so it is one of the most beautiful, wonderful things that happens here in our church is, is Water Baptism Sundays. And so if you sign up ahead of time, that'll help us make sure we have t-shirts for you and, and shorts to put on. And ladies, we put blow dryers out in the bathrooms and we'll have plenty of towels and the water is filtered and cleaned and heated. It, we literally use an inflatable hot tub to do this. And so we get the water up to like a nice 90 degrees. It feels, it feels really good when you get in there. So we try to eliminate every excuse that we possibly can uh, for you to not take the step. And uh, there, you'll have up until, we'll, we'll push for spontaneous baptisms that day. We'll, we'll want people who are ready to make that decision to, to do it in the moment. But it'll help us if you sign up ahead of time. So you go to the, the website. You could also use the app to get there, or you could even let us know on a connection card today before you go. All right, you ready for the Bible? Okay, all right, I'll see y'all later. <laughs> come, on, come on, you ready for the Bible? All right, okay, come on, let's... Let's, come on, you gotta be in love with the word, be in love with the scripture. All right, we're going to Matthew chapter five, and it says, one day he, he being Jesus, saw the crowds gathering. The crowds gathering. Why were the crowds gathering? I'm pointing to it. Yeah, so the crowds are gathering because Jesus is there, and Jesus is doing Jesus stuff, right? In fact, if you cross-reference this passage to, I think it's Luke, you'll see that actually the, the, this is the same crowd. A lot of scholars believe this is the, the, one of the same crowds where Jesus does a, a, a fish and bread miracle. And, and so thousands of people are gathering because Jesus is doing Jesus things. He's doing miracles, he's healing people. And I, I think, honestly, he was probably just cool to be around. You know what I'm saying? Like he probably just, Jesus was probably cool to hang out with. Amen? And, uh, and so Jesus is doing Jesus things. The crowds are gathering. But then Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. So he's, he's with the crowd, but then he separates from the crowd. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. There, there's another translation that is, and it's honestly, it's probably more accurate. The word disciple here is not referring to just the twelve. It's not referring to the 12 disciples that Jesus chooses. There's another translation that says, Jesus left the crowd, he went and found a spot on the mountainside to teach, and the committed followed him there. I find that very interesting. I think it's so easy, isn't it, to be a part of, the, we, want, we want to be a part of the crowd when the emotion's high and the, and the miracles are happening and, and all that kind of stuff, but then Jesus separates from the crowd and he begins to teach, and only a handful of people are willing to separate themselves from the crowd and go lean into the teaching. And it, it got me thinking, like, man, has there ever been a time I've been so caught up in the crowd that I thought I was getting something that I wasn't actually getting? I was just living off the emotional high of what somebody else was getting, and I missed the opportunity to follow Jesus up the mountain. 
I wonder this morning if, if any of us are in a place where we're ready to follow Jesus up the mountain because he has some things to say to us there. And this is actually the beginning, Matthew chapter five is the very beginning of probably the most well-known talk that Jesus gives. It goes on for Matthew five, Matthew six, Matthew seven. It's what's known as the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus teaches on a whole bunch of stuff. I, I, I personally believe Jesus didn't do anything on accident. Everything he did was on purpose and had a reason. And so I think it's really interesting that Jesus talks for what's worth three chapters in Matthew, Sermon on the Mount, but he begins the whole thing with attitude. It's almost as if Jesus is saying, hey, this is foundational for everything else. There's gonna be some of you who just hang with the crowd, but then there's gonna be others who wanna lean in a little further, and, and if you're willing to lean in, Jesus says, then I need you to understand, before we talk about anything else, we gotta talk about attitude. I, I, wanna, I wanna say it this way, we gotta talk about the posture of your heart. The position of your heart towards God, towards people. And then Jesus rattles off nine things. Blessed, 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 blessed. Nine things he rattles off, he says, blessed if, or blessed are. I don't know about you, but I would like to live in the blessing, amen? amen? The blessing, the favor of God. And so this group of people he delivers this sermon to begins with this talk on attitude, and I, I was just thinking about this, praying about this this weekend, uh, uh, this week, and I was like, Jesus, that's like, God, that's really interesting that you would start with attitude. And so I just wanna have, make a couple of statements to you this morning, because I think this is foundational for the whole series. I think this is foundational for our lives. I think there's a reason Jesus chose in his sermon to put this first. And one of the things is that, one of the reasons is I, I really believe with all my heart that attitudes don't just happen. <laughs> I mean, if you don't watch it, it'll just happen. Attitudes don't just happen, they're chosen. I have some bad news for, for you today, in case you didn't realize this already, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry to breathe in prayer and bad news, but um, tomorrow is Monday. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's Monday. It's coming. Can't do anything about it. Depending on how the football games go today, you may or may not wake up a little happier. But Monday's coming and there's nothing you can do about it, amen? Anybody ever, you don't have to raise your hand if you're, if you're, not, if you're embarrassed about it, but anybody in, in here ever just woke up with a case of the Mondays? Like I wake up with the Mondays like on Thursday, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you, just, you just wake up with a case of the Mondays. In fact, most mornings, I don't really wanna have like a human interaction for at least 15 minutes, maybe 20, maybe 30. There's, there's really, the only interaction I wanna have is with my Keurig, right? But Mondays may, may even take a little bit longer, except my sweet, beautiful, amazing wife. She can come interact with me anytime she wants to. But I, I just, I don't wanna solve problems. I don't wanna answer questions. I don't wanna do anything in that moment. So a lot of us are gonna wake up tomorrow with a case of the Monday. A lot of us woke up today feeling a little grouchy. I see some of you elbowing your neighbor right now. 
It's not, that's not polite. So, some of us woke up today a little grouchy, a little, little grumpy. That can happen. But the difference is, some of us, even though we woke up feeling one way, some of us chose something else, didn't we? Some of you came to church and you like, you, honestly, like it's rainy and it's cloudy and it's dreary outside. This is like a good sleep in kind of day, amen? Like this is good sleeping weather. I'm, my team doesn't play till late tonight, so there will probably be a nap this afternoon. You know what I'm saying? Like this is good nap weather. See, see, but, but, and, the, and some will have different experiences in church this morning because some will carry that in with them and they'll just, you're just gonna go through church like this. But others chose to lean into worship. Others chose to invite the Holy Spirit into their life. Come on, everybody, attitudes don't just happen. They're chosen. They're chosen. And there's a misconception in our world. What I found fascinating as I studied the Beatitudes is they are incredibly counterculture, like super-duper counterculture. And I'm not trying to be Mr. Talk About Culture all the time. I actually think that's annoying when pastors do that. But I just thought, oh, wow, this is really different from the, the way most of our world is living, especially in our kind of our society. And Jesus is kind of showing us here that my feelings don't define me, my choices do. Come on, somebody. We've said this before, choices lead, feelings follow. And our, our world right now kind of says like, no, no, your, your feelings are everything. And I'm just telling you, they're not. You can't even really trust them. They're not. And so Jesus kind of, this is his foundational piece to the Sermon on the Mount, like, hey, posture of your heart, attitude, how you see the world matters. And then I think, again, he doesn't do anything on accident. He's trying, he proves to everyone how much the Beatitudes matter because immediately after he talks about these nine blessings, he says this, you, everybody say you. Look at the person next to you and give them a real religious pointy finger and say, you, just you. All right, so I'm just, <laughs> watch. He says, he says hey, get, get the posture of your heart right. Choose the right attitudes because you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot is worthless. I spent a lot of time on this passage several years ago. I came across something fascinating in a, a commentary I was reading, and some scholars spent some time looking at this particular verse and asking the question, what did this mean to the people who originally heard it? And it blew my mind because if you were living in this part of the world at this particular time, you would have had kind of an understanding about salt and where salt comes from, and it was incredibly important. It was used to preserve, it was used for flavor, all these different uses that salt had. And most of the salt was gathered from the Mediterranean Sea. They would go out to the sea and they would, they would get the salt water. Everybody knows salt water, right? Then they would evaporate the water off and the salt would crystallize and they would harvest the salt and use it for whatever they needed. But what's interesting is, is immediately after the salt would crystallize, if you didn't harvest the salt quickly, another mineral would crystallize right behind the salt that looked like salt, felt like salt, 
but was not useful like salt. And it didn't taste good either. It was bitter and it was gross. And what really, I thought this was hilarious. You know the name of the other mineral? Carnal light. And so what Jesus, when Jesus says this to the original hearers, they're thinking, yeah, if you don't get the authentic salt and you end up with the, the garbage salt, the fake salt, it's useless. There's nothing you can do with that. And Jesus is saying it's important for us to get the posture of our heart right because the world needs what we have. Come on, somebody. The world needs the flavor of Christ, the preservation of Christ in our lives. And if we're not careful when the world goes to gather and harvest the thing that they need, well, how many know we need to make sure they get the real deal, the authentic thing, and not the fake stuff? And then he goes on and he says, you, everybody say you, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Multiple reasons, because back then, lamps used fire. Put it under a basket, you have bigger fire. Come on, somebody. Not good. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, he says, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father, I know some of us believe that our faith is supposed to be very personal and very private. Jesus says, nah, shine out. Why? So people will praise our Heavenly Father. I don't need to bring attention to me. I want my life to bring attention to Jesus. And he says, I, just, I think it's fascinating that he says that on the heels of saying, hey, get the posture of your heart this way. Set your attitude this way. This is how you need to be. This is the way to live. It's the first thing in the Sermon on the Mount. How many things if Jesus puts it first, it probably matters. And then out of all of those nine Beatitudes, the first of the firsts is the one we're gonna cover today. Matthew 5, 3, Jesus says, blessed, <laughs> like, what are the poor? Does anybody else immediately read that and you're like, how does that work? How are you blessed and poor at the same time? I like, I, you might be like, I'm not sure I want this blessing. I'm not sure that's what I'm looking for, Jesus. Kind of had a new Audi in mind, right? Kind of was thinking about a new Samsung QLED 75 inch in my living room, Jesus. I'm not, I'm not sure that's the blessing I'm looking for. Anybody else, anybody else feeling the disconnect there? But it's not, when Jesus says this, he's not talking about material poor. He's not talking about financially poor. He says, blessed are the poor in what? Spirit, for theirs is the what? Kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. So I knew we needed to teach this. I knew this was where God was leading our, our church. I knew that I was gonna have week one of the series. Uh, Pastor Whit Perry and Whitney, she's not Pastor Whitney yet, but she almost is. Uh, 
They're going to be speaking throughout the series as well. But honestly, when I sat down and read this and I was like, I got week one, blessed are the poor in spirit. What does that mean? That was literally the question I sat, I stared at the scripture and I said, hey God, like, I don't know what that means. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Does that encourage any of you at all to hear that your pastor sometimes looks at the Bible and says, I don't know what that means. Anybody else had that experience? Yeah. Like, what does that really, like, what's it really mean? Now, I know, I knew, like, from a quick intellectual level, like, okay, he's saying, like, I don't have as much as God has. But what's it really mean? What's it really mean? So is it okay, like, for the next few minutes, can we go, like, Bible study flow this morning? Is that cool with you guys? All right, so if you need entertainment, I'm sorry. I'm sure there's like some YouTube preachers you can find after church or something. Um, but we're just gonna, we're gonna go Bible study flow for just a minute. So let's start with the word blessed, all right? And I'm gonna give you some Greek. Y'all wanna learn another language today? Does that sound fun? All right, the word blessed, no? Some of you like, I, some of the students are like, I've been doing school all week, man. Don't teach me. Don't make me do this. All right, blessed in the Greek is the word Makarios. Everybody say Makarios. All right. It literally means an enduring condition in which congratulations are in order. A grace word that expresses the special joys and satisfaction granted the person who what? Experiences salvation. Isn't that cool? Like salvation is actually an experience. It's an ex- there's an experience of realizing, oh my gosh, I need Jesus. And he said yes. He said yes. He, he, he's saving me. He, he's, he's coming into my life. He's, he's taking over. Nine times in the Beatitudes, Jesus says, Makarios, blessing. This kind of blessing is available to you. How many, things if he says it, how many think if he says it nine times, we should probably pay attention? Makarios, 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 Makarios. And interesting that he lays out the very first one. He says, you'll you'll receive Makarios, you'll experience this special joy and satisfaction if you realize you are poor in spirit. And so as I dug into this, I thought, okay, he's saying like, God's big, I'm little, I have a need. But my, my like optimism side and my life-giving side wanted to be like, but he probably doesn't mean like destitute or downtrodden or lowly or anything like that. He probably, Jesus is probably just saying like, hey, just realize you need God. Just realize you need God. But then I went and I studied it and I figured out what it actually meant. Y'all, this is going to happen to you sometimes if you study the Bible. What you thought you saw is going to get all jacked up. What you thought you saw is not actually there. And so this word poor in the Greek is actually this word. I'll, I'll say it and then you get to say it. It's kind of cool because the P is not silent. You would think it'd be silent. It's patohos. Go ahead and say patohos. Patohos. Look at, listen, look, look, at the, look at the definition. It literally means destitute. A beggar to bow down in need. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? Jesus is like, hey, 
There's this incredible blessing available if you realize that your position, my goodness, what's happening? Your position should be, just hang with me for a second, destitute, a beggar, bowing down in need. Begging for what? Asking for, like Jesus wants me to beg? No, we'll get there. But what's the thing that I'm needing? What's the thing I'm begging for? And he says, you're poor in spirit. It's the same word that we see later on throughout the New Testament. He actually uses the root word for pneuma, which literally means the Holy Spirit, the wind, or the breath of God. And when this hit me as I was studying this last week, I literally was overwhelmed. Because here, here's what, here's the, the connection that happened in my head and in my heart. In fact, I was sitting in our conference room out here off the side of the lobby studying, and when this hit me, I began to weep. I pushed back from the table and just had a moment with Jesus where I thanked him because what Jesus is literally saying here is, there's blessing for you when you realize that in comparison to the greatness and the goodness of God, your position toward him ought to be a beggar. He has so much and I have so little. He is so great and so big and I am so small. And if I could wrap my head around how much he has and how little I have, my posture towards him would be to come begging. And here's the beautiful thing, because of the work of the cross, because of Jesus Christ, my posture should be that of a beggar, but he'll never make me. He'll never ask me to beg. That's why Paul says in Romans that we can come with confidence into the throne room of God. Did you know that if you've received Jesus as your savior, if you've accepted the work of the cross and accepted the free gift of salvation, that God's goodness and his greatness is so amazing, so big, that the posture of our heart should be to come to him and bow low and beg and say, God, I have so much need and you have so much to offer, but he's never gonna make you beg. He just gives you the blessing. Come on, y'all, isn't that incredible? It's amazing, it's amazing. So here's what it means to be patohos, begging for pneuma, Holy Spirit. I just thought it was fascinating they sang that song this morning. We didn't plan it. The, the, the pour out your spirit, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out, we need a fresh wind. I, I didn't even know we were singing that until I got to church today. And here we are talking about God. I am begging for Numa, the wind of God, the breath of God, because I will never have enough of you. Never. So let me just let me help define this a little bit more. Just some some simple thoughts that you might want to put in your notes, you might want to be thinking about, take pictures of the screen, whatever. Get the posture of your heart here. Just, just recognize. I am not enough. Remember I told you this, the Beatitudes are incredibly counterculture. Like I'm pretty sure I've seen motivational posters that people hang on the walls or in their offices that say things like, you are enough. Y'all ever heard language like that? You're enough. Hey, with all respect and with all the love, no, you're not. 
or where I grew up, we'd say, no, you ain't. You ain't enough. You're never gonna be enough. Only God is enough. Only God is enough. In fact, I started thinking about this. If you think back through the last, even just my lifetime, I'm 42, I'll be 43 in February, I've seen the rise and fall of different cultural waves that really at their core are some form of humanism. You can could, you could find, and I'm gonna offend some people, but you can find this I am enough language in masculinity, you can find it in feminism, you can find it in politics, you can find it all over the, all over the place, and it rises and falls, different versions of it with different labels come and go in our society. They're all, some of them have good intentions, good motives at the core, but they all get overtaken by this idea of me, big, strong, I can do it, I can make it, I don't need anyone else. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. You're not enough. I have a, anybody, anybody ever made a financial mistake? <laughs> anybody ever gotten to the end of the month and you owe more than you have? What do we call that? It's a deficit. For most of us, it's a crisis. If you're the government, you just keep spending. It doesn't matter. <laughs> to be poor in spirit is to realize I am at a spiritual deficit. That this life is gonna demand more of my soul than I'll be able to produce without God's help. Let me say it to you this way. I have needs that only God can meet. What my soul really craves, only God has. Let me say it to you another way. I'm just trying to make sure we get this this morning. It's the realization that I am dependent on God. I need him. I need him. I need him, I need him. There is only one place I can go to get what my soul really needs. Is this connecting with you this morning? It's, it's this, it's realizing I should be begging for you, God. I should be begging. But you're never, you're never gonna make me. It's not even what you want from me. God does not want us to beg. That's not what Jesus is saying. But Jesus is saying, if you can realize your position to God and posture your heart like, man, there, no matter what I do, I could never be worthy of the cross. I could never be worthy of salvation. I could never be worthy of God's love and his acceptance, and his mercy, and his power, and he gave it all to me anyway. I should have begged, and I never had to. And that, when that hit me, y'all, I was just overwhelmed by the goodness of God. Overwhelmed by the goodness of God. The realization that he has so much 
and I have so little. Isaiah got it. He said, we're all infected and impure with sin. There's some morning encouragement for you. And when we display our righteous deeds, look what I can do. Look how strong I am. They're nothing but filthy rags. We're not going to spend time on filthy rags this morning. They're they're nothing. Here's the realization I came to studying this this week. Being poor in spirit doesn't lead me to a place of sadness. It leads me to a place of gratitude. God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And can I just tell you something? If salvation was the only thing he ever did for me, it's enough. If he never answered another prayer, if he never did anything else on my behalf, the posture of my heart, my soul, should just be thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In fact, I'll never have to beg for it. And and Jesus says, when you come into relationship with me, you actually become co-heirs. Like, I'm gonna share everything that I have with you. A royal priesthood in relationship with him. So just two things I wanna give you before we go. If I wanna be a person who lives in the blessing, if I wanna choose to try to keep my heart, the posture of my heart, the posture of my soul, in a place where I am poor in spirit, Understanding how great God is, how little I am, how privileged I am to have him in my life. Just two things I want you to try to do this week. Can I give you some homework? Is that cool? Come on, will you take it? Okay, Isaac's going to take it. All right, Isaac. Just got two things for you this week, okay, bro? Come on, do y'all want to live in the blessing? You want to live in this blessed place in the Makarios? All right, so just two things that if you'll, if you'll do this, I think it'll help you keep your the posture of your heart. Remember, there's, not, there's eight more, but I think there's a reason Jesus said this one first. And let's just do this. Declare your dependence on God daily. Every day. Every day, every day, every day. I've started doing this. I wake up, I got my grouchies and all that, but before I even get out of the bed, before I pick up my phone, before I do anything. Once, I don't know if you're like this, but it takes me a second to realize, oh, I'm awake, the day has begun. Once I have that, that realization that I'm awake, I'm just trying to, right there, I'm just trying to start, before I do anything else, just one quick sentence. Holy Spirit, I need you today. I need you. I don't have enough. I'm not enough. You have everything I need. I need you today. I just, I need you. I need to be with you. I need your presence. I need you to guide me, lead me, direct me. I'm depending on you. David, a man after God's own heart. How many think we could learn a, a thing or two from him? He said this. One thing. 
David had a lot of conversations with God, a lot of things that he asked for. But in this moment, he, bo- he brings it down, he boils it down to, he says, hey God, there's one thing I'm asking. There's this one thing that I'm seeking, that I could dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. David understood that, hey God, just this one thing, could I just be with you? Could I just declare my need for you? And honestly, my position compared to yours, you could make the case that I ought to beg for it but you're so good and you're so gracious. I don't even have to beg. So do this other thing. Declare your dependence daily and then show your gratitude to God daily. I dare you to do this for the next seven days. I dare you to start every day saying, Holy Spirit, I need you and I'm thankful for you. I need you, and I'm thankful. I need you, and I'm thankful. It will position your heart. It'll position your life to to receive God's favor. In fact, if I may be so bold, The, the, the world is full of a bunch of messages about if you just have this thing, if you just try this thing, if you just take this supplement, if you just do this pill, if you just this, 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 and this, if you just go to this doctor, if you, this is the thing you need. And there are absolutely times that we need a medical solution to a lot of the things But some of us are, we've just started cramming so much stuff into our life because there's an emptiness and we're just like, man, if I could just figure this out, if I could just feel better, if I could just this, this. And I'm just telling you, a lot of it would turn if we would just begin and end the day. Holy Spirit, I need you. And I'm grateful for you. I recognize that you owe me nothing, and yet you make yourself available to me. Did you know, I said this to our staff this last Wednesday, we were talking about this. Gratitude and entitlement cannot coexist. They can't live in the same place. You will choose one or the other. So here's a, here's, a, here's a test. If you found yourself saying things like, I deserve, I deserve better, I deserve blah, blah, I've worked, blah, 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 blah. That's entitlement. And maybe you have, and maybe you do. But I'm just telling you, Jesus says, if you wanna keep the posture of your heart in a place where you can receive blessing, spend less time on the I deserves and more time on the I'm thankful for's. It's a great place for an amen. Spend more time in gratitude. Amen? Amen. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. 
boy, I, I just, I wish this church would get the air conditioning right. I deserve to be comfortable during the message. Or, or, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for Carlos. He just takes the rock star preaching to the next level. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, it's a joke, it's a joke. No, 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 what if I just, hey God, thank you. Thank you that I get to gather in this place and worship you with other people who love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that I have the freedom to do this. This doesn't exist everywhere in the world. You guys know that, right? There are places in our world right now where if you came and worshiped like this, they would kill you. So just choosing to stay in that posture of of gratitude, thankfulness. David said, shout for joy. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with what? Gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with what? Enter his gates with what? So I'm not supposed to come to God with my, my needs first? My requests first? You can. He won't be mad at you. He's a gracious God. He's a merciful God. But I think David was on to something. Let's come to him with gratitude first. Hey, God, there's breath in my lungs, and I'm grateful. I'm here. I, even, I, got a, I had a ride. I have a car to drive. Come on, y'all. I'm grateful. And his courts with praise, give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is what? And he is. And his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Stand to your feet with me if you would. We're going to get you out of here right on time. I finally did it. (laughs) Bow your heads with me two groups of people that I want to talk to. The first one is, if you're realizing today, I need God. And I have not made him Lord of my life. I have not surrendered my life to Jesus. I need him. And maybe for the first time ever in your life, you're realizing that you're poor. There's a deficit in your soul. There's a need that you have that only God can fulfill say, hey, today, Michael, uh, that's me. I'm ready to receive salvation. Make Jesus Lord of my life. If you're watching online, you can participate in this as well. I can't see you, but God sees you. If that's you this morning, and you want to join with a couple people in our first service who made this decision, you want to join with them this morning, say, hey, I, I need Jesus. Would you just, just wave a hand at me? I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm not going to do anything embarrassing. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Nobody looking around. You just say, hey, Michael, that's me. I need Jesus this morning. Would you just wave your hand at me real quick? You, just, you can just throw it up and right back down. I see it. Good job. I'm not super intimidating to do that. You can put it right back down. Anybody else? Just real quick. Just, just wave it at me. I need Jesus. I see it. Anybody else? I see it. Anybody else? Good job. Thank you. It takes guts to do that. So if you lifted your hand just now, here's what I want to do. I want to lead you in a prayer. And you're not joining a church. You're joining the family of God. So I want to ask our whole church, in this moment, I want you just to repeat after me. 
say this prayer with me. It's going to be our way of welcoming people into the body of Christ. You don't have to get saved over again, but we're just going to, we're going to do it as a family, okay? So if you lifted your hand, pray this prayer nice and loud. We're all going to say it with you. Just say, Dear Jesus, today I realize I'm poor. I need you. Please save me. Become Lord of my life. I surrender all of it to you. I believe you gave your life to pay for my sin. I believe three days later, you rose from the dead. And the same power that brought you from the grave is now alive in me. Thank you for saving me. From this day on, my life is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed. Keep them bowed. Keep them bowed. Just be, be still in this moment for me, if you would. One more group of people. You say, hey, Michael, I've been serving Jesus. I've, I've had a relationship with God. But if I'm being honest, I've let myself rely on other things. Maybe you're relying on your gifts, your talents. Maybe you've been, been pursuing financial success. Maybe you're, you're gifted in business. And, and honestly, the posture of your heart has become, even though, you, even though you gave your life to Jesus, the posture of your heart has become one where you're, you're just relying on yourself too much. You, you just rely on yourself. And you realize today, oh my goodness, I'm poor. I, no matter how good I am, I will always need more of God in my life. And before we go any further in this series, before we talk about any more of these attitudes, just the realization, I need to get my posture back to realizing God's big, I'm small. He has a lot, I have a little. I don't deserve it, but he gives it to me anyway. Gratitude over entitlement. If you found yourself there and the Holy Spirit's kind of put his finger on that this morning and said, hey, let's, let's get that straightened out. Let's get your posture back to where it should be. Again, not gonna call you forward. Just wanna know you're in, in the room so I can pray with you. Would you just, just lift your hand this morning and say, hey, that's me. I need God. I've become kind of self-reliant. I need God. Yep, a whole bunch of us. So Heavenly Father, you see those hands. You know the story that accompanies each and every one of them. Some of, some of these people are just incredibly gifted, talented people. You, you gave them those gifts and talents. If we're not careful, sometimes we start leaning on our own ability and we forget who you are. And so I pray today, God, we would realign our posture. Help us to develop some rhythms, some habits this week. pray that every single person who raised their hand this morning, really all of us, God, I pray we would take the dare of beginning every day declaring our dependence on you. We need you. And we're grateful that you respond to our need for you, even though we don't deserve it. Correct the posture of our hearts today, God. We come to you like beggars, 
you have so much. So much. And we could never have enough of you. So Numa, wind of God, breath of God, breathe on your people today. We need it. We need it, we need it, 